Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. So I don't know who saw my post and thought, what in the world is BJ doing this week? (laughs) I don't want to go to heaven. So there's a story of a Sunday school teacher whose assignment was to explain to the six-year-olds about going to heaven, okay, and how you get there. Now, how many of you have taught six-year-olds about Jesus and you do what you have to do, right? And she asked them the question. She said, if I sold my house and my car, had a big garage sale, gave all the money to the church, would that get me into heaven? No, they all screamed. Well, if I cleaned the church every day, mowed the yard, and kept everything neat and tidy, would that get me into heaven? No, they all screamed. Well, then, said the teacher, if I was kind to animals, gave candy to all the children, and loved my wife, would that get me into heaven? No, they all screamed. So the teacher asked, well, then, how can I get into heaven? And a little boy on the back row stood up and shouted, You gotta be dead! (laughs) Now that was actually fictional. Um, But I tell you, we did VBS one year and we had those mixed groups where all ages were in a group. And I was trying to tell the story of Christ and, and what the gospel was from kindergarten to sixth grade. That's a pretty big range, like the, the understanding. So I was trying to find that medium in there about Jesus dying on the cross. He was resurrected. And, and you know, if we want to go to heaven someday, you know, we, we, we got to have him as our savior. And I'm trying my best. And all of a sudden, this little girl in kindergarten just commenced to cry like nobody's business. Like she was beside herself. And I, I bent down. I said, honey, what's the matter? And she said, I don't want to die. And that's all she heard in the gospel, by the way. And I said, no, no, we, I said, we don't want to die today. I said, but someday, someday we want to be with Jesus. And she said, no, I don't, because I don't want to die. And she just kept crying, cried the entire time. So, so when you're trying to tell the gospel to young ones, sometimes it's a little bit hard. When you're trying to tell the gospel to big ones sometimes, it's a little bit hard. And honestly, I've been throwing this sermon around in my head for quite some time, and it all started with a country song. Imagine that. Is that not life in general? It all starts with a country. I don't want to go to heaven when heaven's right here lying next to me. Who knows that song? Anybody know? You can admit it. Go ahead. You won't go to the other place. I promise. But I, I began to think about that because the very first time I sang the song, you know, in my car, I was like, I don't know, God, that just felt wrong singing that, right? But I mean, we have those thoughts. We just may not realize it. The truth is, every now and then, we do have to struggle with our mortality, don't we? We have to struggle with the fact that we're not going to get off this earth alive, Right? And we know in the past couple of years, we've struggled with our mortality quite a bit as we've had to attend so many funerals. 
And we begin to think for our own lives while we're there, how do I get to heaven? You know, how do I get to be where Jesus is? And you hear people sometimes say, well, good people go to heaven, right? See, those are the funerals I hate to preach. When I don't know their salvation story, I can't preach them into heaven. It's, it's a done deal. And that's a tough one. And we hear this, good people. I mean, you've probably thought this. I did a little research in statistics. And if you want to see my, my printout, this was 2021 Pew Research. And out of all the, all the adults in the U.S., this is U.S., that they questioned, here was a few numbers I found. So the percentage of U.S. adults who say they believe in heaven or hell. So just the basic, is there a heaven and is there a hell? And so for U.S. adults, 73% say yes, there's a heaven. 73%. 62% say, yes, I believe there's a hell. Um, you can look a little further. There's even age differences that they gave, and it, it, that kind of struck me a little bit. Anyone 65 and over, 79% believed in heaven. And that number began to drop as the age dropped. So by the time you got to 18 to 29, only 63% believed in heaven. Now note, when I say heaven, when they done this research, that was just the basic question, do you believe in heaven? It gets dicier when you start breaking up how they define heaven. You see, because people have different definitions of what heaven will be, right? So so it kind of broke up. The, the book I was just reading from is from Andy Stanley, How Good is Good Enough. And that was back in 2003. This was kind of a scary thing for me. In 2003, his statistic was 90% believed in heaven. And we've dropped to 73% now who believe in heaven. Now, what do you, you know, when you break it down even further, because I said, like, when we start defining heaven, it looks a little bit different. And there was one of these statistics that I was like, well, I've never really thought about even this, but... It was the question of, do people believe you can get to heaven even if you don't know God? And 39% of U.S. adults, 39% say, yes, you can go to heaven if you don't know God. Here's the thing that was getting me. When they broke it down into Christian and and non-Christians... 45% of Christians say you can go to heaven if you don't know God. And 68% of Catholics say, yes, you can go to heaven if you don't know God. That got me a little bit. So we got to think about people have different definitions. But I think one of the common denominators across the board of whatever religion that we want to talk about is that there's a core belief that how we live our life, this side of death, affects and determines what happens next in our life. Do y'all believe that? Yes? No? Maybe? You see, the question I want you to consider today, what if God asked you, you came face to face today, 
And he said, why should I let you into heaven? What would your reply be? That's what I want you to think about as we talk about our scriptures. Turn with me to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Starting in verse 17, the rich man. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him and knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. And he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This amazed them, but Jesus said again, Dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it's impossible. But not with God. Everything is possible with God. Then Peter began to speak up. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. Yes. And I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property, along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be least important then, and those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. Lord, this is your word, and it's sharp today, but it's alive and active. And may it change us because of who you are. In Jesus' name. How good is good enough? You know, some say that we have a natural, innate sense of right and wrong. And I would say yes and no. I would say yes, we do have that sort of built-in system. But it's broken is the problem. And how do I know it's broken? Because I know I should obey the speed limit. Justin, plug your ears. But I may or may not, this is not a confession, always obey that, right? (laughs) That was a confession and Facebook heard it. So we know what's right sometimes, and we choose to do wrong. So we know we cannot depend on what I think I know and what I feel, right? We understand that. But verse 18, I thought it was 
interesting that when the man, which he was probably a religious teacher, because you can find this also in the book of Luke, and it's, it's pretty much word for word, except for he calls him a religious leader. So that means he knows the law. He calls Jesus good. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? And at first I was like, because you Jesus. And then I had to step back and remember, but he doesn't realize who Jesus is at that point. To him, Jesus is a teacher, a human teacher. And so what Jesus was speaking to then is that that would have been a no-no, like humans can't be good, right? Only God is good. That means he's the standard for what good is. Because see, when we start talking about whether you can be good enough to get to heaven, well, then we got to start talking about by whose standards, like, what, what do you call good? Because what you call good, I might not call good. So Jesus says God is the only one. He's the standard. And most people who say good people go to heaven, they really mean well by this. Like, I would say 99% of the time when I hear somebody use that term, that phrase, it's in good meaning. Like, I know this person was good. Like, they loved people. They helped people, Right? But we have to look at what Jesus taught in all the areas. In Matthew chapter 5, we see where Jesus tells them, you've got to be better. He's looking at these Pharisees, Pharisees who have kept the law. Remember, that's their job, to keep all the laws, to stay pure before God so they could hear from God and give that to the people. And he said, you've got to be better than they are. So that tells me good is not good enough. But then we also see in Luke chapter 23, Jesus hanging on a cross with two criminals. And one of them's mocking him and one of them says, man, what are you doing? Like we deserve to be here. In other words, he's admitting we're not good. Our actions put us on this tree, but not him. And Jesus told him, you're going to be with me today. Wow, that just blew that theory then. That meant that somebody who has lived a life not good, if that's where he wound up on that tree, and now he doesn't have time to live good, and he just got promised he'll be with Jesus. Wow. So the rich man asks, what do I do? What do I do? And and this, this intrigues me because, again, this is a religious leader who knows the law. And he's having these doubts of, I don't know if I'm good enough. So what do I do? In verse 19, Jesus begins to list all those several commandments. He's like, hey, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal anything, don't lie, don't cheat. Honor your parents. And I'm going to guess there's a good majority of you in here that could raise your hand and say, I did that. I did that. Like, I've been good. I haven't killed anybody yet. (laughs) I haven't stole anything. Wait, that might have took a lot of you out because my husband stole bubble gum when he was a kid. Yeah. Got a tail end. Yeah. Lit up. So I don't know. Maybe maybe I overestimated that 99% in here, right? But you get where the conversation's going. The, The rich man says, I've been good. Like, I I haven't done anything 
bad. So he says, check, I've done all of that. Jesus says, great, that's awesome. He says, but there's just one thing. I want you to go sell everything. And I want you to give it to the poor, and then I want you to follow me. Oh, this is the part we hate, don't we? We hate this. Because then the rich man goes, um, yeah, about that. You see, Jesus goes on to tell his disciples, it's not easy for those who have a good life to enter the kingdom. You know, I said it's difficult to to explain the gospel to young kids sometimes because they're young. They they don't want to die, they think. But I'm telling you, the hardest conversations I've had are with the ones who have a good life. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. So I need you to tune your ears and your heart this morning to hear the Spirit talking. It's hard to tell people when they have a good life, like, but that's not what gets you there. Because I've had somebody tell me before, and, and it was somebody I love dearly, I have a good life, and I sleep really good when I lay my head down at night. So I'm not sorry for anything I've done. Hmm. And I know they didn't know Jesus. And there's no convincing somebody like that. Right? Now, this isn't about, I don't want you to hear this, this isn't about the money and the possessions, right? But it's about where our heart lies. And when Jesus called him, there was something he couldn't give up. And you see, we listed all of these commandments, but then there's that one or two where Jesus says, I'm the only God. Don't have any idols before me. And anything that we're willing not to give up for God becomes an idol. Anything. And so the rich man went away very sad. I don't want to go to heaven. Because heaven's right here next to me. He said, my stuff... I don't, I don't think I can do that. I'll tell you a funny that happened to me yesterday. And don't get nervous. Don't. It's just a funny. Thomas and I was having a conversation this week and we was talking about Dr. Askren, how much I miss Dr. Askren and, and this, that, and the other. And, and, uh, and then we made the joke of, you know, what if he ever called me to like, Asked me to think of a church in Colorado. Mm, Colorado. Mm, I'm just saying. They have snow, people. But it was just sort of a not serious conversation. That's why I say, don't worry. BJ ain't plotting nothing, okay? I ain't going nowhere. But we just had this conversation. And in fact, we had it again, I think, in front of Alex, maybe Friday night. Saturday morning, Thomas and I are sitting there with coffee in hand, and my phone rings. And of course, early morning calls, I'm always a little worried, like, oh... Virgil Askren. I just let my phone ring. Like, I don't know how it didn't go to voicemail. Because I was like, that ain't funny, God. What? And I just kept looking at it. And, <laughs> and then I was like, okay, answer. Because, like, we, okay. 
So I said, hello, and hey, we did all of our things. And he's like, hey, I'm putting a pastor in a church out here in, in Colorado. Yo, my heart. Like even just telling the story right now, my heart, <laughs> my heart took off, right? And, and I'm like, mm-hmm, <laughs> you know? And then I say Virgil in the beginning, so Thomas realizes who I'm talking to, and he stops what he's doing, and he's looking at me, because he's like, what? (laughs) Long story short, he was trying to connect me with a pastor that has a similar story of her hometown church. Can I connect you to if she has questions? Yes, you can, (laughs) you know? I get off the phone, and Thomas goes, what was that about? (laughs) And I, I just start dying laughing. Y'all have to, I mean, I was giggling and laughing. And I, and I told him, I said, this is just nervous adrenaline. I can't, <laughs> I said, that scared me so bad, you know? I said, what are the odds of this very week, him calling me like that? And then I looked at him and I said, what would we do? I said, do you realize I'm in a position now where, DSs can call me because, hey, somebody gave me your name. I said, what would we do? Are we, are we willing to move? Don't make, don't give me that face, Dorothy. Are we willing to move? And he just said, well, let's wait till it happens and we'll pray about whatever happens. You see, because sometimes God does show up and he does ask us to give up things that may be hard. And sometimes we think we know the answers, but I'm telling you, always pray. Always pray. Always hear the voice. But I just got a little scared knowing what my sermon was about, knowing the conversation I had, and that name popped on my phone. I bet if you'd have taken my uh, pulse rate, it was way over 150 at that moment. Like, (laughs) it was a miracle. Thank goodness I had a couple of coffees, Emily. Emily sent me a text this way. What cup of coffee are you on? Can I send you something? You know, I'm like, cup number two, let's hit it. Let's do this. See, God shows up sometimes. When we think that life is just good, and he says, okay, you've done all that. But let's take it a little further. And see, the the disciples are like, wow, good is just not even good enough. And in verse 27 He told them, because they said, who? I mean, come on, Jesus, if if that guy, like we know him. And if that's not good enough, who's going to make it to heaven with you? And he said, well, humanly speaking, (laughs) hear me, church, humanly speaking, there is absolutely nothing you can do to get to heaven. It's impossible. But. I love the butts in the Bible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. When you use that scripture, please make sure you use it right because he's talking about eternal life. Everything is possible with God. Everything is possible with God. It's impossible for you and me. Romans 3.23, we've all sinned and fall short. Every single one of us. But everything is possible with God. Good people don't get into heaven. Forgiven people make it to heaven.
John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father except through me, said Jesus. There's your gate key. You got to have Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter who your mama is, doesn't matter who your grandma was, doesn't matter how many Sundays you've sat in here, doesn't matter how awesome you tithed or over much you tithe. none of that matters to get into heaven. But now we've talked, there is more, right? Jesus said, sell it, give it to the poor, then what? Follow me. Come and follow me, he said. Heaven is not about a place. See, that's that's the problem we have because when someone says, well, how do I get to heaven? They're thinking, how do I get there? But Jesus said in, in John 14 that no one gets to the Father except through me. Notice he didn't say no one gets to heaven except through Why? Because it's not a destination. It's about being made right with God the Father so that you're in his presence wherever that is. And maybe that's what we think of as another place right now, but someday Jesus is coming back and the new kingdom is here on earth. And heaven will be here because God the Father is here. So it's not a place it's a person, and, and God is the standard of what is good. You and I don't get to make up the rules. You see, our world, our, our nation is in chaos because everybody's trying to make up their own rules right now. And <laughs> we can't. God is the standard. It's his. He owns it. You understand this. Many of you have, have land, you have homes, and, and guess what? You get to decide who comes in and who goes out. Right? We put up gates because we don't want certain people in. We want some, right? It's God's. So he gets to decide it. He gets to decide what the rules look like. And I love 28. And, and if you've watched Chosen, it just helps me to see Peter. And I can just see his little smug face. <laughs> We're good. We did all that. Right? <laughs> we gave up everything to follow you, Jesus. I love that. And, and if you've never done your background of the book of Mark, you, you gotta understand Mark most likely took the writings and sermons of Peter to make this book. So if that helps you put a little more perspective of what that will, will feel like. But Peter says, we, we've done all of that. And Jesus says, yeah. Verse 29, I assure you, everyone who's given up a house Brother, sisters, mother, father, so children, so your family or property for me. And the good news, he says, now listen, you're gonna, you're gonna get a return a hundred times. So many more houses and what? Is that prosperity? No, no. That's not the prosperity. The, the, the problem here that we have, it really isn't heaven sometimes. The problem people really get hung up on is that we want Jesus, but we want our life the way we live it. And again, we're making up our own rules. Like, I can have Jesus and keep doing and And I, everything is different for every person. God may not ask you to give up 
all your land, all your, you know, security of where you are. But he might. Are you ready to hear that? You see, we don't like when Jesus talks about things like this. It gets a little hard, giving up house and family and property. But there's so much more, he said. You're going to get a hundred times more back. How do you do that? Well, this saying that I've had here recently is the Nazarene world is small, but the family is big. What do I mean by that? The Nazarene world is small because you can go anywhere and we can find people in our denomination. Uh, Ashley, do you remember down in Texas uh, when you moved there and you was trying to get home, what was my advice to you? I said, I got on Google and I said, there's two Nazarene churches. I want you to go knock on their door. And did they open that door and did they help you get home? They did. Because the Nazarene world is small. Thanks to technology, the, the world is getting smaller and smaller. We now have a BFF that's going to be in South Africa. He may be the worst missionary, but we love Ronald Miller anyway. And Z, I didn't share this, and, and I probably shouldn't should have. Z is getting to spend a weekend with Sam in the Ukraine. She posted the other day. It didn't have a lot of details, but I had fingers crossed. I thought, she's going back home to see Sam for a few days. And she made her way back to Kiev and is spending the weekend with him. And she hasn't seen him since March-ish, maybe? Was that maybe when they left? So I sat there and I told her, I, I squealed like a little girl because I was just so excited. And this happens because the family of God is global. The family of God. So when Jesus says you're going to get more homes, you're going to have people that have hospitality and will open their doors wherever. Z and her mom and the kids, they, they're in Berlin right now, away from the war, and they're where people have opened their homes to let them in. And you're going to have more family because you know what? Sometimes, sometimes the family that is blood is, it's hard. And sometimes it's the family of God that picks up the pieces for us. That's why me and Thomas have these adoptive moms now. The Nazarene world is small, but the family is so big. Now, increase that. It's not just Nazarenes, by the way. We got some Baptist brothers and sisters. We got some Pentecostals. The family of God makes the world smaller. Then there was this one little three-worded thing in here that is so hard because it sounds so good. You're going to get a hundred times more. And he said, along with persecution. Wow. Just in this one passage we've read today, Jesus was really wrecking some havoc on the norm of the day. You see, good people aren't good enough, right? So the Jewish people who believed if you followed all these laws, you did all the practices that come along with that, then you're good enough to get eternal life, right? But if that were true, we wouldn't need Jesus Christ if the law was enough. 
You see, the law wasn't about saving us. Remember, it was about teaching a, a nation how to live as the people of God again. And it's about showing us how we fall short. It was never about saving us. So good people aren't good enough, Jesus said. And then there's this other thing that the Jewish people believed that if you had a lot of possessions, if you were rich, wealthy, then that was a sign of God's favor in your life. Like you've been really good and God is blessing you. But Jesus said those things become idols. if You're not willing to let it go to follow me. You can't rock the boat that much and not expect a little pushback. And Jesus knows that. We, we tend to forget and not want to hear the sermons where I tell you, Jesus promised that we would have troubles and there would be persecution. I don't care how many laws we think we pass in this country to give us our freedom of religion. Christians will always be persecuted. And don't think of it as a bad thing, it just means we're doing it right if we're telling the gospel of Jesus Christ because it rocks the boat. How good is good enough? You see, every one of you sitting here, I bet I could do your funeral and I, I know all the great things. But what I really want to know is your testimony of do you know Jesus Christ? Can I give your family, without a shadow of a doubt, the assurance of knowing where their loved one is? You have to start with the question, is Jesus who he says he is? Is Jesus who he says he is? C.S. Lewis said he's either a lunatic, a liar, or he is who he says he is. Because he didn't beat around the bush about being some kind of just good teacher, did he? He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. He's the gate. Do you believe that this morning, church? And if you say, yeah, I, I believe what the Bible tells me, then let me ask you, have you said yes to Jesus? Like if I walk this room and ask each of you individually and stop sweating, I will not. But if you are sweating, that tells me enough. If I ask you individually, tell me about the moment you got saved. And I'm not talking, give me the date, give me the time, give me the location even. But you'll remember that conversation. You'll remember that moment that God convicted you of some sin and let's get specific, because God doesn't really work in the broad scope, does he? He, he you know, he gets kind of in our business. And he usually will talk a specific sin with us. We know exactly what it is we need to repent of. Do you have that moment in your life? And if you don't, today is the day. Today is the day that you say yes to Jesus. You can know the scriptures backwards and forwards. You can follow all the rules. 
You can show up here every Sunday. Thank you for doing that. You can put your offering in the basket at the back. Thank you. God bless you. And may he return the favor. But if you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, no one gets to the Father except through Jesus. This has been on my heart because I don't think anybody ever says, I don't want to go to heaven. Nobody ever says that. Not in reality. But we live that way. We honestly live that way. Hoping that if I just play it right. And let me tell you a gamble not to take, because you, you, you're probably sitting there thinking, well, that, that criminal on the cross, he got to go and he lived a horrible life. Are you sure you're going to get that last second chance to say yes? I don't know. I can't tell you who's going to be there and who's not with 100% certainty. But if you tell me, BJ, I know that I know Jesus, then I have a good certainty. So today, if God asks you, why should I let you into heaven? Why should I let you into my presence is what that is. The only answer that you can give to make that right is because I'm bought and redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Stand with me this morning, church. Maybe some of you have heavy hearts with something and you want to come drop a stone in the Ebenezer jar for, for those who are here that you don't know what that is. Ebenezer means the stone of help. So when we write an initial on this stone and drop it in the jar, it's a reminder of what God has already done as we pray for what we are asking him. To do. But maybe this morning, for the very first time, you need to come down here and have a conversation with God. God, I am sorry. You're convicting me of a sin. And I need forgiveness. I need to know without a doubt that if I stand before you today, Father, I can honestly answer, I am redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And as a pastor, that is the heaviest thing on my heart. I don't care how old or young you are. I don't want you walking out of this door this morning without knowing that for absolute sure this morning. With a yes. Yes, I need a Savior. And I don't know that I've ever said that. I've sang the songs. I've read the scripture. I've sat in these pews. I can't tell you what my salvation story is, though. Today's the day. Come forward if you have Ebenezer stones or if you want to come to the altar and and gather around. Because, again... Nazarene world is small, but the family is big. So gather with your family this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today in the precious name of Jesus. And Father, I know that I know that so many of us, we're good people. But I pray our hearts, our souls are in line with you this morning. That even if someone didn't come to the front, Lord, they can still ask that same forgiveness right where they are. May you hear that, God, because you are the God that hears and answers our prayers. Lord, I ask as we leave this place that now we take this beautiful message with us. 
And may others know that we've been in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, have a beautiful holiday weekend and go be a blessing to others today. Have a great Sunday. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.